0: WXDXFM, Pittsburgh.
1: We are one day away from the opening of Steelers training camp in Latrobe. You take a cooler, sit on the hillside, and pretend you can analyze what's happening. This training camp in preseason won't be any different than almost all the others. Just about every position is decided, and most of the roster spots are too. Although a few spots are up for grabs. Free safety is probably going to be Sean Davis. Probably. Davis is a good talent, and I think the job is his. The Steelers just want to light a fire. fire. And then we see an inside linebacker, uh, how that's going to shake down. But in the base 3-4, it's going to be Bince and Bostic. Matikavich is a ham and ager. I don't care what the depth chart says now. And don't forget that crap about safeties instead of linebackers. I think that's a smokescreen because the ILBs ain't no good, but the safeties ain't much better. The offense is set in stone, even with the rookie, James Washington. He's the number three receiver because uh, that's just what he is. Connor and Ridley will provide some interest at running back until Bell shows up. Vance McDonald will be a bigger component this year. We will see how much bigger. And, of course, everyone will be high on the rookie quarterback, Mason Rudolph. Let's just pray he doesn't have to play. So the biggest question in camp right away is, what kind of vehicle is Antonio Brown going to show up in, and what handicap space is he going to park in? I heard Cam Hayward is planning to make a big entrance as well. But getting back to football, I bet the Steelers take a step back this year. Maybe 10 wins or 11. But that's okay as long as they're ready for the playoffs, which they clearly were not last year. Second game brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 19 19- fifty six. Uh I want your thoughts on the Buccos being red hot, red hot to the top. They are red hot. Do they feel like a playoff team yet? Do they feel like a five hundred team yet? And what about that roller coaster of inconsistency? Say what? Uh twenty-six and seventeen, then fourteen and thirty one Then 12 and 1. And uh, Dickerson, Marte Polanco, great in July, in June, not so much. And things look real good now and they feel really good now. But it all adds up 162 games. It all adds up. Uh, Getting back to the Steelers and uh, my prediction, and of course, I will make my official season prediction the record for 2018, uh, the Friday before the opener. And I am almost always right. In fact, I think I've been within a game for the last six or seven years. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what my record is, but uh, if the Steelers do go from 13 wins to 10 or 11, maybe some humility will do the Steelers good, although it won't do their seeding any good. Uh, I bet Ben and Antonio Brown have just a sick season, but like I said, keep your eyes on Vance McDonald. I'm curious uh, when training camp opens tomorrow. Curious to see how much the Steelers talk about the National Anthem situation. I'm curious to see if the local media even brings it up. 412 9939 is the number to call. That pit equipment manager situation just uh it's interesting. It's interesting. A guy been there since 1987. He up and quits after reportedly having a blow up with the head football coach. It's interesting. Narduzzi like every pit coach, he'll come and go. Ox was there since 1987. Uh, we talked about the girly contract Terrell Edmonds, the Steelers' first-round pick, signed four years, 10.8 mil, $6 million signing bonus. We got Derek Grant, uh, the newest Penguin. He's on the show at 5.15. I'm curious to see why a center signed with a team that already had five centers. I don't anticipate a trade, but how can you not? And if a center does get traded, it'll be Broussard. It obviously won't be Sid or Gino. They just signed Colin. They love Shane. So it'd be Broussard. I like Grant. He's a solid bottom six. And he would have to clear waivers to go to the minors. Anyway, Rutherford has said repeatedly he sees Grant as an NHL player, for sure. Uh, but where's the fit for Grant right now? A training camp is a ways away for the Penguins. But waiting to see how the lines fit will be epic. And I keep hearing about Ricola on defense, the Finnish kid. They like him. But center is the most intriguing spot. I don't know what Grant's other options were. But why would he sign with the Penguins to be a scratch? Or potentially get sent to the minors, although he'd have to clear waivers so that won't happen. Uh, if Broussard isn't traded, it might be sprung who gets traded. Or if Broussard really does play wing, Sprong might get traded. But I honestly don't know what value Sprong has in a trade. And you'd have to be pretty committed to Broussard at wing, uh, give him a legitimate shot there to trade Sprong. Hagler could get traded, but would have very little value in a trade. Really the only legitimate value Haglund has to the Penguins is if he plays left wing with Gino and Phil because he's the perfect fit to do what those two don't. Now, if Phil is on the third line by way of artificially created balance, it kind of kills Hagland's use to the Penguins. Uh, so when summer turns to fall, it will be intriguing for the Penguins. What I said before, if Broussard moves the wing, maybe they trade Sprong. I don't see that either because... You know, Sprong is cheap. You have him for a while, and Broussard has one more year on his deal. So six centers, how could you not think somebody is going to get traded? Oh, this just in. The Capitals have signed defenseman Brooks Orpic to a one-year contract with an average annual value of $1 million. So he got bought out of his big-money deal by Colorado, and now the Caps are going to give him kind of a $1 million Tip to come back and play, and I don't blame more for doing that. I think that's what's best for business. Okay, I got an email just now from a former pit player who uh, will remain anonymous, but but he says that the blow up I heard about at the party between Ox and Arduzi uh, did happen. And he also says that Ox, over 30 years, has been incredibly loyal to the university and this uh, wasn't the way to let him go out. So, as usual, my sources are correct-mundo. Narduzzi's a bad guy. He may yet to turn out to be a good coach. He's a bad guy. 412-333. 99.39 is the number to call. We got Stan Saverin at the bottom of the hour. And uh, I want your reaction to the Gurley contract. Should the Steelers have offered Bell more? I don't know. I think this deal for Gurley, that 45 mil guaranteed is what separates it, but it's still 15 mil a year. Gurley set the bar, Bell did not. I think Bell's going to come in a little under the bar. You know what would be kind of a a rotten thing? What if Bell signed for less somewhere else than he could have got from the Steelers right now? Because in the wake of this Gurley contract, there's a very real chance that could happen. Or not. I still think what's going to happen is the Jets are going to pay way too much and he'll go there and be excrement in keeping with the Jets tradition of many years. Uh, singer-songwriter Demi Lovato, I think that's how you pronounce her name, a uh, hospitalized with a heroin overdose. Man, music and heroin. I'm not sure you're ever going to break that link. Stan Saverin, bottom of the hour, 105.9 The X
0: now the super genius, Mark
1: Madden. This is Bob Hope. Hi, uh, this is. How you doing? Oh, boy, man, you, got, you know what? Why this? Call back when you're coherent.
0: The X at 105.9. Double
1: M on the X. Uh, the Pirates are running wild, brother. Todd Gurley got what Lev Bell wanted. I'm curious to see how that shakes down uh, moving forward. Bell, uh, on his Twitter, had no uh, criticism of Gurley getting what he wanted. I think he knows, I hope he knows that uh, Gurley getting that makes it more likely that he'll get what he wants or a close approximation. We had Christian Pulisic on earlier, Dortmund and Benfica at Heinz Field tomorrow night. So there's a lot to talk about now, 412-333-WXDX. DJ Gallo from Sports Pickle said it all a bit earlier on Twitter about the Gurley-Levy on Bell comparison. Everything that a running back could do, Todd Gurley did better last year than Levy on Bell. He just did, unless you want to ignore the statistics. So while Le'Veon Bell wanted to set the market, wanted to set the bar for what running backs of the league make, he was probably never realistically going to do that because he's not the best guy. The best guy sets the market, the best guy sets the bar, and the best guy is Todd Gurley. And he did today what Bell wanted to do. Uh, But it's going to benefit Bell, no question about that the pirate numbers during this streak uh 367 with runners in scoring position uh during this 12 and 1 streak and the way they've been up and down all season 26 and 17 then 14 and 31 and now 12 and 1 their latest stretch it really is amazing uh you know what we're going to talk about earlier that I think is an uh, interesting story? This guy from the St. Louis Cardinals, his name is Daniel Ponce de Leon, which is a great name, and uh, he pitched seven innings of no-hit baseball last night in his first ever Major League start, and he got pulled because of pitch count, and I'm like, really? This guy has a chance to do something no pitcher has ever done in the history of Major League Baseball, which is pitch a no-hitter in his first career MLB game, and you pull him because of pitch count. Have we really been overwhelmed by the minutia of baseball, the metrics? Have they overwhelmed us to the point where... You lose track of history being made, where you lose track of what fans want to see, where you lose track of a a good story. I simply cannot believe they pulled the guy. Uh, back to the Bucks. it would be great if the Pirates won tonight because then you will have clinched a series win in Cleveland and uh, then the Mets series, you got to win three out of four against them. And, uh, oh my God, is this true? Oh my God, it just came in front of me. Ponce de Leon got sent to the minors today. He pitched seven innings of no hit baseball and then got sent to the minors. And that right there is why the Cardinals trail the Pirates now. And, okay, I don't know why they send it to the minors, whether it's, you know, service time, all that. Nonsense! But if you knew you were going to send him to the minors, and I bet you knew that last night when he was pitching, let him finish the game. Let him try for immortality. Then again, if he gets it, it's even harder to send him down. How do you send a guy down after he pitches seven innings of no-hit baseball in his first ever major league game? I mean, they could bring him right back up, but. I don't know, I again, the minutiae, the metrics, managing by rote instead of feel. I understand it, I don't like it, it could spoil moments, and it spoiled that moment last night. 412 up next, we talked to the godfather of Pittsburgh sports, and Stan Saverd on 105.9.
0: and now the super genius mark madden super genius big fan big fan hashtag best in the world you are super genius (laughs) i'll say and then some vx at 105.9
1: joining me now he is the godfather of the pittsburgh sports media always a pleasure to welcome stan saverin stan todd Gurley of the la rams got basically the deal that lev bell wants uh where does this leave levion bell moving forward
2: well, I think it, he's right in his gamble. I mean, I think there'll be somebody who'll pay him that, although it should be mentioned that Gurley is three years younger. He hasn't taken nearly the punishment Bell has. And if you look at just the stats from 2017, yards, uh, carries over 20 yards, carries over 40. Uh, That kind of thing, you know, Gurley had a much better season, but it should also be said that Gurley doesn't play uh, in an offense that's quite as diverse as the Steelers, so that matters too. Uh, But I still think uh, that may set a standard for some. I don't know that uh, Bell will still get anything he wants, but I still think he'll get more than what the Steelers offered him.
1: Is he going to get more than 15 mil a year, though? Because, you know, the difference with the Gurley deal and what the Steelers offered Bell is guaranteed money. The average annual value about the same, and there are those out there stand wondering if Bell made a mistake turning down the Steelers deal.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, time will tell. Um, they say that Gurley's contract is for sixty forty five guaranteed. Um, I don't know that we know exactly what they guaranteed him. I know he could have made a guaranteed thirty million over the last two. Uh my understanding was marked at thirty three for two years was guaranteed, which would put it kind of right in line with forty five um over a three year period. Uh I mean I don't know if that – it certainly ups the standard for running backs, and I still think that Bell will get what he wants, but I don't think it's as automatic that he will get every penny that Gurley gets because those are a big three years in in terms of age differential.
1: I don't know that that 33 mil that was talked about guaranteed for Bell was actually guaranteed. I think that was over the first two years because the Steelers only guarantee the the signing bonus generally. Maybe they would have broken new ground for Bell. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to work out for Bell. I wonder if it pisses him off that Gurley was the guy to set the bar.
2: Well, he tried. uh, And one of the things that kept him from signing a contract going a year ago was not only did he want to get what he was worth, but he was trying to change the salary structure of the NFL by saying, this is a new era, I'm a new kind of running back, I do more than just run the football. And so he was trying to sort of change the landscape, the salary structure of the entire league, not just negotiate a contract. I mean, I'm not going to portray Le'Veon Bell as a martyr. He was in it for himself, uh, and I don't think that he was worried about what Gurley would end up getting or what Ezekiel Elliott will end up getting. But I do think that he was trying to tackle that as much as he was, trying to get as much money for himself as he can the Steelers report to Latrobe tomorrow
1: uh, are there any big issues at Latrobe per se or is everything pretty much decided
2: well I think in terms of personnel uh, we know who the starters basically are going to be but I do think that there are some things that uh, bear watching uh, number one is exactly what kind of configuration are we going to see defensively? Um, Are we going to see these hybrid safeties like Edmonds and and Burnett and guys like that lined up in linebacker positions? And I would like to know, and maybe we'll find out, is that because they feel they're so weak at inside linebacker, or is it because um, they figured this is the way the game is going? There's probably some truth in all of that, but it's become a passing league. You want to put as many defensive backs there as you possibly can. Yeah, but Stan, I don't think they have that much quality of safety either. No, I, but that's why they're changing the, configura- the the configuration of it. That's why they're not relying on the typical free safety, strong safety. They, they're going probably going to play three safeties and three cornerbacks so that the responsibilities are much different than they've been in the past. Again, maybe as a cover-up, because they don't have a legitimate number one inside linebacker, and usually an inside linebacker stays on the field, one comes off. I can't think of an inside linebacker that they have on the field that it would want out there in a passing down. And also, with the more safeties and defensive backs, that changes the, again, the, you know, the deep responsibilities. We saw Mike Mitchell get burned on so much. Stan,
1: turning to baseball, how much do you buy into this Pirates uh, hot streak? As turning a corner, as a harbinger of bigger and better.
2: I mean, in terms of the long-term franchise, or just for this season? This season, uh, I would say that they're in it. I don't think they'll make it. Um, although the Braves lost again today, they're now just three and a half games outside of the second wild card, with enough time to get there. Uh, the problem they're going to have, of course, they're going to have to climb over an awful lot of teams. Uh, eventually, they're going to cool off. I don't care if you're the Yankees, Red Sox. Um, you know, you're not going to keep winning like this or playing this brand of baseball. Uh, So the question is, how long will the cool-off period take and how much will they lose in the standings? Again, I I don't think they're going to make it for a lot of those reasons, but I also think you can't deny that right now they are definitely in it, although, again, it took a a 10-game winning streak to get there.
1: Uh, Last night uh, seemed like an affirmation, however, temporary, Stan. The club Kluber... And Ron Rothschild over Cleveland uh, was very impressive. And if they can win that series, get at least two out of three there, I think they come to that New York Mets series that starts Thursday at PNC with like real momentum. Uh, not 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 kinda momentum, not fake momentum, but real momentum.
2: Well, the key was beating Kluver. Once you do that, you know, you have to look at you're gonna get you're gonna get Bauer tomorrow. They're going against a rookie tonight. Um, also, even with Bauer tomorrow, you're going with Tyone, who's been really good the last month of the season. Now, I'm not calling them they're going to sweep, but if you take two out of three of that series, um, that's a real good start. Again, you win ten games in a row, maybe it gets to 11 tonight, you're going to cool off. The question is, what kind of cool-off period are you going to have? Uh, frankly, if they go 5-5, five and five, even though the Mets are a bad team, if they go 5-5 five and five the next ten, that's fine. What you can't do as many teams do is go 2 and 8 or even 3 and 7 then you give back what you gained uh, most teams will do that. Streaks follow streaks. But if they can just keep an even keel for the next five, the schedule does toughen up because they're going to have to deal with a lot of contenders. Uh, Colorado, the Giants are still very much in it. Colorado, the Cubs are going to be here. Um, the Cardinals are still in it. There's a lot of teams. Forget that they're three and a half out. There's three teams behind them, only a half game or a game behind them. Um, so, again, the next ten days, and that, of course, goes beyond the trading deadline, that will determine whether or not they're going to actually be in this. Again, I think it's a, a really steep climb because they're not going to keep hitting like they're hitting, and they're not going to you know, win 10 games in a row at any point the remainder of this season.
1: We're talking to Stan Saverin. He's brought to you by the law firm of Senderovich, Senderovich, and Fishman. Uh, Stan, uh, you mentioned the trade deadline. I'm not sure the Pirates are going to make any significant additions, but I don't think they can dump salaries that are in their starting lineup. I think the clubhouse would fall apart if that happened because they called the GM's bluff from 10 days ago.
2: And I don't think the fan base, what's left of it, would stand for it either. Uh, now that you've gotten close, um, I don't know. We talk about adding. I, I, you know, I, I look and say, well, what would they add? Uh, now, again, we probably are overvaluing what they're doing now because of how well they've played the last ten games. Again, uh, that's not to dismiss what they've accomplished, but that's just unrealistic. Uh Marte's hitting, you know, 380 during that time. I mean, that, that's not going to continue. But if you're looking to add, I mean, where, where would you add? Um, right now, you wouldn't add anybody to the outfield if you're looking for that. Um, you wouldn't, uh, I don't think, we wait. Josh Bell's begun to hit, look for a first baseman, maybe a shortstop, but how many teams have really good shortstops better than Mercer uh, that, are, that they'd be willing to part with? I mean, there aren't many, many Manny Machado situations out there. Uh, I would say that if they are thinking about adding, the one area where I think they, if they're going to make a real run at this wild card, um, that is a starting pitcher. I mean, a veteran starting pitcher, much like they were able to grab Jay J-Hap, much like they were able to grab Nova. It uh, didn't cost them much of anything at all. And I think that the one thing that they may be missing here, uh, and listen, they're not a perfect team. They could use more production at second, more production at third, those kinds of things. Uh, but I think that a veteran starting pitching, Um, who would sort of level out the inconsistencies you tend to get with young starters, which is basically what they have. Um, That veteran starting pitcher, I think um, he could be of real value. The problem is that's what most teams are looking for.
1: Well, there aren't too many of those available, Stan, and people talk about Archer or Hamels or Hap, but they're just not going to get those guys. And if they did, there would be some irony, because they already get rid of Hap once. They just traded Garrett Cole this past off season. It wasn't long ago they dumped Morton. Uh, they just aren't going to pay that guy, not even short term.
2: Well, I think they would in the short term. The question is, what assets would they have to give up? Uh, at some point, if you're going to tout your minor league system, it's not only that you're looking for those younger players to eventually be players for you. You can also use that as a barter system. You know, when I look at, like, for example, the Yankees, um, you know, they make these trades, or even the Dodgers. Look at the Dodgers. They get Machado for a half season. Maybe they sign him afterward, maybe they don't. But if you look at what they offered, I think this is very revealing. How do teams that have that kind of payroll still have the kind of assets to deal to a team like the Orioles who are looking for young players? Now, in the return for Machado, one of those guys was a Cuban defector. He was the centerpiece. So that the Dodgers got for two reasons. Because of the money that they have, and they could outbid people to get that kid. And the other thing is, they're in they're Los Angeles for God's sake. I mean, here's this kid; he's a defector from you know Cuba. I mean, do you think he wants to play in Detroit or Pittsburgh? <laughs> I mean, he, he wants to walk on the street, and you know, maybe he runs into Taylor Swift. I don't know, uh, but but that's a big advantage for them. But if you look at the other people that they offer to the Orioles, they were draft choices. They were guys that they have cultivated. Um, And if the Pirates are going to sit here and say, well, we're building through the draft, sometimes the Yankees have done it, the Red Sox did it to get Chris Sale. How do teams like that, with those payrolls and their winning percentages, how can they offer those kinds of assets to get... Players now to give up players for the future, and that is they draft well. Now the Pirates say they've got a lot of guys, and this would include Austin Meadows. Maybe if you're looking to make a big strike, and I don't mean for a rental. I'm talking about for a younger pitcher who would help you right now and in the future, then maybe you have to part with you know an Austin Meadows. Maybe you have to uh, part with a, a Tyler Glass now. Maybe you have to. And
1: they're they're just not going to do
2: that. Well, you got to have guts. It takes some guts, um, you know, to go out there and make the big move.
1: Uh, how do you explain the inconsistency? both with the Pirates as a team and individually with guys like Marte and Polanco and even Dickerson. I just compared the Pirate outfielders in June, statistically, to how they're doing in July. Stan, it's like night and day. They're like doubling all their stats.
2: I know. And again, it's a, it's a short-term analysis. Um, I mean, Dickerson's been fairly consistent all year long, except now for the power surge um, that he's had. Um, I also found it interesting in the 10 game winning streak and everything looks good and rosy when you're winning. I don't recall one boneheaded base running play, um, or bad throw from either Polanco and Marte. And we know that that's part of their DNA. Are they finally getting it? Well, I have my doubts about that. I think, I think what, a, Marte overslid a bag or something, but you know what I'm talking about. I, here's, I look at them and my thought was then as it is now. They weren't as good as they look when they were nine games over five hundred. They weren't as bad as they were when they were fourteen and thirty or whatever that stretch was, and they're not as good as they appear to be now. The answer is somewhere in the middle. I predicted they would win seventy eight and I'd be a couple low. But when you balance things out, that's what they are. We know that there's talent in there. Um, But, again, to be a consistent contender, you have to be consistent on the field. They haven't been. Again, I don't think this is an accurate portrayal, but I also don't think it was an accurate portrayal when they were 14 and 30. They're somewhere in between, and it'll all average out at the end of the year. Stan, will they make the playoffs? Will they top 500? Uh, I think they've got a chance to top 500. I just don't think they're going to make the wild card.
1: Stan, good stuff. I'll see you Thursday on your show. All right, Mark. Thank you. That's Stan Saverin. I'm Mark Madden. Up next, we'll talk to Bob McLaughlin. You're listening to 1059 The X.
0: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, I uh, love the show, man. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Call it all hail double M. The X at 1059.
1: Double M on the X. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84Lumber. Uh, Bob, what's your take on the Todd Gurley contract? For those tuning in, Gurley got the deal that Lev Bell wanted, or at least pretty close, four years, $60 million, and the key number, $45 million guaranteed, and, and that really is the difference between whatever the Steelers offered Bell and what the Rams gave Gurley.
3: Yeah, and what a big difference, Mark. I mean, uh, everybody's writing about how this destroys the running back contract, their money now, and puts it in another atmosphere. It, it helps it, you know, putting it where it is now, and especially, you know, with a Running backs like Lev Bell, Zeke Elliott, guaranteed to get paid coming up here soon. But it doesn't really fix it, though. Um, they're still signing wide receivers like Brandon Cooks to $16 million per year. Um, you got Julio Jones who wants his money. So, yeah, it sets the bar at a new level. But somebody like Lev Bell may not be happy with that level if wide receivers are still getting that much more. So he's going to get paid, no doubt about that now. Um, it's just going to be a question of what the guaranteed money is.
1: You think he'll get paid as much as Gurley?
3: It's going to be close, but no, I don't think it'll be more than or I, I don't as much. think
1: he'll get as much guaranteed money. I think he might get the same average annual value, maybe even a, a tad higher, but he won't get the same guaranteed money. And, Bob, I think that reflects that Gurley is a better running back than Bell. Well, rather, Gurley certainly had a better season last year than Bell did.
3: Right. He's a better running back right now, coming off offensive player of the year last year. So he's got that, you know, and obviously they use that to great strength in negotiations. But you said something earlier in the show that I I don't know if Bell doesn't get his guaranteed money. There are teams out there who are going to want a player like that very badly. And maybe he only gets a four year deal, but in that, he gets X amount guaranteed like a 17 million per year or something just to get him signed. And remember, it, no matter how many years we keep going back to the fact, Mark, after two, three years, it's not guaranteed. You can do what you want with these contracts. You know, so if you're going to sign them for a 45 million, now, obviously, they have every plan of keeping Todd Gurley there for the full extension of this deal. You know, with three years younger, they don't have a big, as big a risk as the Steelers do.
1: Uh, You mentioned Julio Jones. He has a valid contract with Atlanta, but he's not showing up for camp. He says he wants his deal redone. Now, if this was a league where contracts were guaranteed, I would say that's nonsense, show up, and go to work. But the NFL can cut players any time it chooses. Why shouldn't Julio Jones hold out and renegotiate when he feels he's outperformed his contract?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I'm usually the guy who says, look, You signed a deal, maybe with one year left in it, if you're that much out of whack with your performance to pay, then you start to renegotiate or you look for a better deal. But you've got owners, you've got teams all over the league, Mark, that do this all the time now. So why shouldn't Julio Jones take his shot at it? I mean, their representation is looking at some of the numbers coming out right now. Like I said, Brandon Cook's getting the money that he got from the Rams. Julio Jones is due way more than that. So much more important to his team uh, so he's- well, right, but
1: whoever signs most recently usually gets more. I mean, look look at how many guys in the NHL are making more than Sidney Crosby, and that's because Crosby signed that long
3: deal a long time ago. No, you're right. And the other thing is, is he's just saying he wants it reworked. So I think what they're doing here is they're taking their shot to say, all right, look, we're serious about this. He's performing way above his pay level right now. It's been proven by other new numbers in the league. Let's see what we can get for our client right now. If it doesn't work out in a couple of weeks, so what? He misses a couple of weeks at camp. That's just another, you know, better percentage of him not getting injured. And and it happens all over. People are getting new deals here and there just because of what they mean to their team.
1: Bob, uh what's your take on on Pitt? Uh and Tim Enright, Ox, the longtime football equipment manager, parting company. That might not sound like a big deal to people who don't understand the personality of pit football, but to pit football players, especially alum, it, it's a real big deal that this guy who had been head equipment manager since ninety seven and with the program since eighty seven, now he's gone. Like like Heather Like, the A D, has dumped so many before him since taking over. She's instituting a radical change all over the place at Pitt
3: well the story that you gave earlier in the show uh, that's ridiculous that's awful Ox is a stalwart down there at well right
1: Pitt. just just to recap the story I hear is that Ox and Narduzzi uh, had a blow up over a party at Narduzzi's house where N- Narduzzi basically wanted Ox to serve as the janitor after the party and uh
3: They blew up, and now Ox is gone. Ridiculous. He's earned so much more than that at the University of Pittsburgh. I know Ox personally. I've known him for— He shouldn't
1: have to clean up after Narduzzi's party.
3: No, no, especially not after what he means to Pitt. And like you said, he's a lifeline for alumni. A lot of people trusted Ox with a lot of different things, whether it's equipment problems, whether it's a conversation about the university, whether it's a helping hand, whether it's just all sorts of stuff. He has an unbelievably— Legit track record with more than just football players down there also. I mean, the guy did everything. He was pit through and through. I was shocked to see that this morning. I've heard from a lot of people down there connected with the university who are shocked also, and that story coming out, it's disgusting Bob, if that's what ended uh,
1: Bob, it. maybe it takes one to know one, but I can spot a douchebag, and I spotted Arduzzi a long time ago, didn't
3: I? <laughs> you did. I mean, I've been arguing the point on the other end of it in the back channels here. Um, after this story, wow, maybe not so much anymore.
1: And finally, Bob, some geek from NPR, National Public Radio, got his knickers in a twist because at some unnamed Mount Washington restaurant, his kid or kids, I, I can't get a clear picture on whether it's one or multiple, weren't allowed to dine because they don't serve kids. I see nothing wrong with that. Most restaurants do serve kids. I think there should be a place just for adults though. What, What's wrong with that?
3: I don't have any problem with that. I've got kids. They've acted up sometimes in the past where I've left an establishment when they were younger, you know, just because, yeah, it's tough. People go out. They want a nice night out. There's craziness going on. You do what you can to control the kids. But sometimes when they're that young, you just got to, you know, if it's really bothering other people, you just excuse yourself. Now, there's not too many people out there that would do this what the NPR guide has done. And. I've been following it and laughing along at it. And I love the part where I don't want to complain, but yet you got 230,000 Twitter followers and you're complaining to them. You don't think it's going to go much further than that. Ridiculous. Well, like I said, if this restaurant
1: can let me know, uh, you know, where it is, I think I know, but I don't want to say unless I know for sure. If I find out where it is, though, I will keep it quiet. And I'll go there and eat all the time. <laughs> right. Like I said, hey. It's like first class on airplanes. A kid shouldn't be allowed in first class on airplanes. That's why people fly first class on airplanes, to get away from kids.
3: Well, that's a different one. If you pay for the ticket, you know, you're for Nope. That kid at the Cubs game the other day, Mark, first row on airplanes, and he's not getting a ball for sitting there either.
1: That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. Up next, I'm going to tell you about how bad it sucks. That baseball minutiae and metrics can overwhelm history. 105.9 the X.